0: Welcome to another vital message from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Well, open up your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Mark. And while you're going to the book of Mark, we're going to begin our message today. The message is entitled, The Cup is Full. The Cup is Full. You'll find out a little more about that in just a moment. But believe me, the cup is full, okay? And, um... Uh, while you're turning, as I said, let me just share with you uh, one scripture, uh, two verses actually out of Psalms 37. Uh, this particular sentiment is mentioned of uh, uh, four, five, maybe six times in the book of Psalms and in other places throughout the Word of God. But uh, let me just say it like this, out of Psalms 37 verse 12, "The wicked plots against the just and gnashes at him with his teeth." Verse 13. The Lord laughs at him. <laughs> okay. The Lord laughs at him. Why? Because God sees that the day of the wicked and his judgment is coming. Isn't that interesting? You know God's not afraid. You've, you've never caught God unaware or are unprepared for what anyone is going to do god laughs at his enemies and i've decided as i was uh, this week you know just in that same turmoil wrestling over wrestling over and over and struggling with all kinds of different things that you hear and things that you feel and, and things that you want uh that this this came to me and I believe that God just introduced this to me several times and I decided I was going to start laughing at the enemies of God. I've decided that's probably about the best thing I can do is chuckle you know and just realize that oh my goodness do you know that that some people are going to be found fighting against God? That's not where I want to be. Lord help them. I perhaps need to intercede for people that I think are really offending God because they need some help because get on God's bad side. It's not a good day. Uh, You know uh, if, if, if you you have ever been in a place to where you felt as though that you disappointed or or did something that God wasn't pleased with uh, then then you know what 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 people can feel and it's horribly be drawn down into that guilt let's not be overwhelmed or troubled as though God was not aware or as though God was not involved he is Um, uh, uh, isn't this what we've been praying for 2 Chronicles 7:14 Haven't we been praying for God to heal our land? Do you know sometimes healing requires a little surgery? Do you know that? Sometimes it does. Sometimes the process just requires a little bit of intervention, and sometimes the intervention as God says, you know, that no chastening of uh, of, of a parent uh, of the Lord is pleasant in the moment that, it, that, that correction is being administered. But, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm just so glad that the light uh, shines in darkness. And those things, as I said, which have been in the darkness, have been in the darkness a long time. Okay? And uh, I'm just so glad that some things are coming to light because these are the things that, that can be dealt with. I have, uh, uh, I have nothing to preach to you today but hope. Hey, that's all I got. Sorry, but that's all I got. You know, uh, I don't have any doom and gloom. I don't have any woe is me. I don't have any oh let's run and hide or let's get some tribulation food and go get in a cave somewhere. You know, I, I I don't have a message about the sky falling. I have a message of hope. Why? Because that's all I find in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was a dark day when Jesus came. It was a difficult time whenever God told Noah to get into that boat. You know, it's it, we faced difficult times uh, before. But I have nothing today but hope because hope is all I find in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what I came to share. And this morning, as I said, we're continuing our study in the gospel that was penned by Mark. And we're going to be going to the book of Mark in chapter 1. Uh, it seems reasonable when you, when you study this character Mark who penned this gospel To remember that he was a young man living in Jerusalem and his mother was very involved in the church in Jerusalem. So involved that the intercessory prayer meetings of the church were held in her house, in his house, the house he grew up in evidently. And even when Peter was put into jail, the Bible says that the church made intercession for him without ceasing. And that intercession, whenever he was released by the angel uh, in, 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 uh, in, in Acts chapter 12, he was uh, released by the, or Acts chapter 5, one or the other. Uh, he, he was released. He went to Mary's house. He went to Mark's house. And there he knocked on the door, you know, knocked on the door. If you read that account? And finally someone came to the door. They were having a prayer meeting for him to get out of church. Oh, excuse me, for him to get out of jail. Get probably a prayer meeting to get out of church. Some of you started at about noon. Uh, but, uh, uh, but uh, you know, they, they were having a prayer meeting, and they were praying without ceasing. Oh, God, let, let Peter, because Peter was going to be killed the next day. Oh, Lord, let him out, let him out, let him out. He's chained between. And you know, and they didn't even believe he was out. He knocked, knocked, knocked on the door. The thing they were praying for was, you know, God was moving and doing, and they didn't even recognize it. And whenever this young girl who finally opened up the, 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 the gate to see, it was Peter, she ran and told them. And, and, and when they, they said, no, it can't be him. He's in jail. Well, they weren't praying in faith then, were they? they didn't even know that their prayers were being answered. No, it can't be him. It's got to be his angel. It's got to be something else. It can't be him. He's in jail. Can't you see we're praying for him to get out of jail? He's in jail. <laughs> I'm sorry, but he was out of jail by miraculous intervention. And, uh, you know, uh, so Mark was a part of this going on. In fact, it's most reasonable to assume that Mark was one of those 120 in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. It's not unreasonable for us to, to imagine that when the the people went there, they took their, 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 their youths with them, And he was, you know, at least a teenager, maybe even in his early 20s. And we know that he was not one of the 12 disciples, but he nonetheless was a disciple of Christ. Some people believe that he was one of the 70, but he may have been a little bit young for that. But anyway, this is who this man uh, and, and Mark is. And we find that as Mark grew in the Lord and as he followed uh, the Apostle Paul and Barnabas and Peter around and, and they invested in his life, that, that Mark came to the place, and we, we, we'll read it before we finish with Mark, that Mark uh, you know, believed in the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he believed in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He believed in speaking in tongues. He believed in laying hands on the sick. He believed in casting out devils. You can read it in Mark the 16th chapter. He said, these signs shall follow them that believe. That's Mark writing that, you know. Uh, you know. I, I mean, he, he believed in the power of God intervening in our world today. He believed that we could carry a power resident on the inside of us that would overwhelm our enemies and that would, 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 would run demons away uh, from, from the people that we prayed for. And by the way, I've, I asked you last week or maybe this Wednesday night, please pray. For, I've been praying that every day, multiple times a day, that God would, would, would you know, uh, run the demons and devils out of our nation's leadership okay? Uh, yeah, and and, and I, I believe that we have that power. Uh, my goodness, why not? You know, so when we start seeing people get born again and things start to change and, you know, uh, listen, just, just realize that's what we were praying for, okay? Last Sunday we highlighted the fact that Mark set out to make his faith a matter of public record. That's one of the things I asked you last Sunday to do, make your faith in Jesus Christ a matter of public record. Uh, and, and, He knew he was going against the tide of the times. He knew that that political and social reforms in Rome were well on their way and they were topics of the day. Um, and, And he also knew that the empire, the Roman Empire, had lost all sense of right and wrong. Rome had long been an empire of rules and laws and regulations. And and all you have to do is just, you know, pull back off the earth and look down at the Roman road systems and see that they were a nation of order and a nation of planning and a nation that that that, that had regulations and expectations. And they were a nation of, of well-defined morals. However, uh, during... Rome's recent past, as Mark is on the scene and as Jesus has come on the scene, and uh, they they have really fell into decline. Um, Unchallenged success can at times put people in a place where they feel like, you know, almost like, you know, they're, uh, you know, uh, like they're their own God, like they can do whatever they want to. Well, that's how Rome felt. And, uh, you know, uh, with, with an increase uh, in tyranny and extravagance and debauchery, the common person in Rome, while Mark is writing this, is worth little more than, than, than chattel, little more than property. That all they are is a, is, is a tax base for the Roman government and uh, you know the, 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 the laws as it were applied only as those in power wished them to apply that is the place where nations get the empire was corrupt in Mark's day it was deeply divided along social and political lines within a few years from the date of Mark's writing uh, Rome will be financially bankrupt and will be Morally, um, he just, uh, it, 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 it's just morally bankrupt as well. In March of A.D. 68, are you with me? In March of A.D. 68, a group of Roman senators got together and decided that they would put the Roman emperor Nero on trial. They felt as though that he was a public danger. They felt like he had taken the nation. This is just history. You can read it, and uh, you know uh, it's, it's very plain. And they felt like he had taken the nation in the wrong direction, and he had brought division, and he had brought trouble, and he had brought bankruptcy. Actually, you know, uh, 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 finances were really down. And indeed, you know, Rome had burned and many people felt as though that he had burned it down so that he could build his new apartments right there where the Circus Maximus, Maximus uh, was. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, at, at any rate, it was just, it was a very difficult time. So they put him on trial and uh he saw the direction it was going and he ended up you know running he took off and left rome because he felt as though that that his senate was against him and and um they uh they charged him with being a public enemy and while they were in debate someone came from rome uh, uh after you know march april may june it took a few months someone came in, in, uh, in, in, in the second week, early part of the second week of June, to where Nero was and told him that he had been convicted as a public enemy of Rome and that the senators had voted that they were going to have him executed in public, in fact, beaten to death in public before the Senate. Well, he did not know what to do. All hope was lost. And so on June the 9th of 68 AD, Emperor Nero committed suicide. Less than one year after he had ordered the beheading of the Apostle Paul and the crucifixion of the Apostle Peter in his own beloved city of Rome. The Roman Empire was not a safe place to live for a Christian in the days of Mark. Indeed, it was not a safe place to live in the days of Jesus. The Roman government could and did do anything they wanted. You remember how Herod the king, you know, uh, even Joseph and Mary were, were, in, were, were visited by God and told to get Jesus as, as a young child and take him down into Egypt because the government wanted to kill him. They wanted no other king but Caesar. They wanted no other. You know, there was such great division. Well, you know, uh, the Bible tells us that in the fullness of time, God sent his son. When the cup was full, that's when Jesus came. In the fullness of time, God sent his son. If you continue reading that, he sent him to redeem mankind, not to judge them, not to criticize them, not to, but to, to, to you know, uh, show them the way, to shine a light in the darkness. And the Bible says men love darkness rather than light. This is the condemnation, that men who see a light many times don't come to the light. Well... In the day that God sent Jesus, the cup of sin was full. So full, in fact, that God decided to intervene with his plan. When God sent Jesus to save us from our sins, God was not looking to Calvary. Okay? Go with me on this little mental journey for just a moment because it's important for us today. It's important for you today and our nation today. When God sent his son to deal with the sin, God was not looking to Calvary. God was looking to eternity. He wasn't focused on the pain. He was focused on the promise. He knew that there would be some pain to go through in order to appropriate the promise. God, just like Abraham, you can read it. It was in my Bible reading this week. How Abraham took Isaac up to Mount Moriah. Where Jesus would 2,000 years later be crucified. And there... The Bible is very plain in reading in, 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 in uh the book of Genesis that that Abraham did not complain. Abraham was not worried. He was not a bit worried. Hebrews the 11th chapter tells us that Abraham was not worried one bit. Why? Verse 17 tells us because he had already received Isaac raised from the dead. You see, Abraham was not looking at the pain, but at the promise. He was not looking at the death, but at the resurrection. He was not looking at at, 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 at what you know what. Looked like to everyone else was an end he was looking at what this would bring in god's plan and how that going through this moment as the bible says jesus you know endured the cross for the joy that was set before him jesus looked beyond the cross to the joy you know god looked beyond calvary to eternity you know abraham looked beyond the pain to the promise we must also be people of faith we must not give up our hope and must not give up our prayer, must not give up our, our, our faith in God. We must look beyond the moment, beyond the pain, beyond the pressure, beyond the problems. And we must look to the promise of God because God's arm is not short, nor are his promises unable for him to accomplish. Everything is possible with God. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, God can change anything and as long as he chooses not to then we are to be faithfully walking through this world as a light shining in darkness both Abraham and God saw a resurrection they didn't see a death you see the promise is greater than the pain I believe in the resurrection of the just I don't think it has to wait until I die or until Jesus comes, I have experienced many resurrections in my life. From things that I thought were going south or going bad and wasn't going to work. And yet, God opened up a way where there was no way. Created a river in the wilderness and roads in the desert. Our God is able. Now, let's, let's, let's look at the, uh, at, at, at the promise beyond the problem. Uh, let's keep hope, let's keep faith, let's keep praying. Because when we pray in faith, we move mountains, okay? When we pray in fear, we kind of just settle right down into our hole if we're not watchful, okay? But yet God is faithful. Let's look at Mark now. Turn to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 1. We're going to begin in verse 14 today. And uh, in, in verse 14, uh, the Bible begins, uh, Mark begins this. Now, after John was put in prison, uh, hold it right there just a moment. Wait a second. This is talking about John the Baptist. John the Baptist was put in prison? That's like kicking a dog. A little puppy. John the Baptist, what a good guy, what a fine guy, what a sweet guy. A cousin of Jesus sent by God in the spirit of Elijah, you know, confirmed by prophecy and even by Jesus himself uh, to be the voice of one crying in the wilderness. He was just a light in darkness. Who in the world would put John in prison, you know? This, this, uh, you know... Who would put such a good man? Uh, John the Baptist, his birth was announced by an angel. Shouldn't that be enough to keep him from having problems? He was a man that was filled with the Holy Spirit, even in his mother's womb. Shouldn't that have been enough to kind of, you know, put him on this, you know, uh, you know uh, uh, indestructible path? Filled with the Holy Spirit? Announced by angels? Uh, he lived a dedicated life as a Nazarite. He never even had a drink of alcohol. And he didn't he, I mean, he, he, was, he was, you know, physically very pure and, and, and very healthy. I mean, this guy, come on. And all John wanted, the only thing John wanted was for people to get right with God. He didn't, he didn't want anything else. He didn't ask for any money. He didn't, I mean, and he didn't even go see people. People came out to see him. He went out to a desert place and people came out there. And all John did was give them hope that if they could change, that God would save them. That's all it was, that... Oh, who could put John in prison? A man whose only crime was that he loved people, cared about him, and wanted to help him. A man whose only real crime was that he told the truth to a political official. Hello? That's why he went to prison. He told the truth to some governing official. Come on now. He told the truth in the midst of darkness. He shined a light in the midst of darkness. He said something right to the wrong person. That's why they put him in jail. You see, King Herod Antipas, or Antipas, depends on whether you're from the north or the south, whether you're a tomato or tomato kind of person. Okay? King Antipas, King, King Herod, we'll call him King Herod, but there's so many Herods, you know, uh, I'll, I'll try to fix this for you. King Herod Antipas. he was living in adultery he was the king over that region there of Judea he was living in adultery in the open with a woman named Herodias who was first of all his niece and second of all his brother's wife okay so you got a little double whammy going on there he had enticed her away from his brother who was Herod Philip because he really thought she was pretty. <laughs> you see, I'll give you the quick story, okay? You can read about this in history, or you can read about it in the Bible, okay? Matthew, Mark, Luke, you can find it there. Here's what happened. King Herod Antipas was going to go to Rome. On his way, he stopped by his brother Philip's house. He noticed Philip had a really pretty wife who was also the daughter of you know, of a sister, his niece. The, she was the granddaughter of Herod the Great. He liked her. She's pretty. She's young. She's sweet. And she had a young daughter who was also really pretty named Salome. Well, he said, man, I like you. Listen, I've got this great palace back there in, 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 you know, in, in Israel and in Judea. And I'm king over everything. Won't you leave this kind of, you know, all this, won't you come with me and go home with me and live with me? I mean, you can have some fun. So he went on to Rome and on his way back through, he stopped and she said, You know, I think I will. So she and took took her daughter, and they both went back and you know, and they were just, I mean, they were living the life. I'm talking about parties, 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 parties. Woo! Lots and lots and lots of parties. I mean, it was it, it it was amazing. And they were having all the fun in the world. And then, you know, Herod was was really interested in 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 what John the Baptist was doing because great groups were coming to him and he was a little insecure anyway. So so in his questioning, he finds out, you know, about John the Baptist, and then he He and John, you know, John ends up telling Herod, listen, Herod, you shouldn't be doing this. You should stop doing this. You're the leader of the nation. You should stop living in sin. You're living in adultery with your niece, his brother's wife, and, and, you know, and all these, you know, decadent parties in the Roman Empire is going south. Listen, you need to stop it. Well, Herod went back and told Herodias... Ooh, she got mad. She got so mad, she said, I want him killed. Kill him now. I said, I can't kill John the Baptist. Everybody likes him. She said, Nope, you kill him. So, in order to appease his wife, the Bible says, he sent people down and arrested John and took him to prison. And put him, he didn't just arrest John, read the Bible. He went down, might have been in the middle of one of John's church services, who knows? Might have been while he's baptizing people. And they made John look like a horrible criminal, like a dangerous man. They went down, and the Bible says they bound him. They put him in chains and carried him to prison in chains and put him into the prison. Wow. Well... I'll tell you the rest of and we'll come back right here, because he's just been taken to prison by the time we get to Mark 14. Herod did not want to kill John. He decided, I'll go ahead and kill him. Herod says, I want him dead. Herod thought, okay, I'll kill him. But the people, there was an uproar. There was, you know, an uproar among the people that liked John. Good people that realized he was a good man, that, 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 that he needed somebody to stand up for him. So they all stood up for him, and Herod backed off because of public opinion. Okay. That made Herodias really upset. Not only do I hate John the Baptist, I'm now beginning to lose respect for Herod. I know what I'll do. I'll get my pretty young daughter, because I know Herod likes young girls. I'll get my pretty young daughter to dance for him on his birthday. Yeah, we're having a big party anyway for his birthday, and I'll get her to dance provocatively in front of him. And she did. So, Herod drank and drank and drank. If you read my notes, you'll see the word Twitterpated. That's from Bambi, okay? He got Twitterpated. And he brought her over and said, oh, Salome, whoa, I like that. Anything you want, I'll give you to the half of my kingdom. And he said it publicly, made a vow. Salome went, yeah. She and her mama got together and said, okay, now. And so she went back to him and she said, this is what I want, King Daddy. I want John the Baptist head on a plate. The Bible says that Herod was so sorry, so sad. But in order to keep his promise to this young lady, he sent and had John the Baptist head cut off and brought to her and gave it to her on a plate. That's how horrible those times were. For good men standing up for God. Mark says to us, "By the way, don't you think the cup was pretty full? <laughs> Mark, let's, let's, let's continue. Mark 1 verse 14. Now, after John was put in prison, John's just been put into prison. Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. You see, when John was taken off the scene, he was preaching one message, get right with God, repent, get right with God, the kingdom of God is there, the Lord is coming, get right with God, repent, get right with God. He was preaching one message, and when he was taken off, after he was taken to prison, Jesus took his place and just stepped in there and began preaching the same message that John the Baptist was preaching, repent, repent. The time is fulfilled. Everything is ready and ripe. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The Lord is coming. Only he was the Lord. What can make a difference in a world gone mad with power as it was in Mark's day? As it was in Jesus' day? As it was in John the Baptist's day? What can make a difference in a world gone mad with power? Mad with perversion. Mad with blatant disregard for all that is good, all that is right. A world filled with lies and hypocrisy. What can make a difference in a world gone mad? Jesus showed us. Jesus began to preach the gospel of the kingdom. He had a three-point message. I'm going to share that three-point message quickly with you. This was Jesus' three-point message that Jesus felt like in a time so bad as this, when the cup was full and when God had had enough, Jesus had a three-point message as his first part. Listen to what he said. He said, the time is now. That's right. That's what Jesus said, the time is fulfilled. It's time, it's time. Don't you think it's time, folks? Don't you think it's time? Have you looked around in the world? Did you ever imagine that we would be in this place as a world, as a nation? Did you ever imagine that you would see the things that you have seen on television and and read the things that that you have read on, on the internet? Did you ever imagine that our nation would be so divided? Did you ever imagine this? No, let me tell you, the time is come. The time. And that was Jesus when he stepped up the plate. After that, John was put into prison. Jesus went and he said, Number one, this is my first point. The time is fulfilled. The time has come. The time is now. Now is the time. Point number two of his message: get right with God. The time is now to get right with God. What the world does that mean? That means you stop your lying, you stop your cheating, you stop, you know, your sin. That means that you need to clean your life up first so that you can be a light. And the third point, Jesus said, he said it this way, believe the gospel. But here's what he said, have faith in the gospel. And this is where I believe we need to be today. We need to have faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to have faith. The gospel of Jesus Christ has changed the world more in the last 2,000 years than anything else has. And it will change the world more should the Lord tarry the next 2,000 years than anything else. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation for an individual, for a nation, for a world, for a generation. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Have faith. Believe in the gospel. Have faith in the gospel. That's what Jesus preached. This was God's offering to a world in trouble. The gospel. God's offering to a world whose national leaders were sinful and bankrupt and morally depraved. The world of that day, it looked like it had no hope. But let me tell you, it doesn't. It has no hope for you. The world holds no hope for you. There is nothing that Democrats can do for you. There is nothing that Republicans can do for you. There is nothing that Congress can do, nothing the Supreme Court can do. There is nothing that a new president or a, or a former president can do to fix this. There is nothing that a medical professional person can do. There is nothing that a military can do. There's nothing that Wall Street can do. There's nothing Facebook can do. There's nothing Twitter can do. There's nothing Amazon can do. Google can't do it. Our foreign allies or our foreign enemies. There is nothing that can be done that needs to be done today except by one individual, and his name is Jesus. We need Jesus to come front and center in our lives. I know I'm preaching this over and over and over, but I I will be found if they drag me off in chains and cut off my head. You're going to find me saying that Jesus Christ is the answer to your problem. Get right with him. The time is now. Have faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look past the pain. Only Jesus can save us. Look past the sacrifice that you may be asked to make. Look past the sacrifice of your own self-importance. Look past the sacrifice of your own embarrassment. And as Paul the Apostle said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. The time is now. Repent and get right with God. The time is now. Have faith in the gospel. And when... We truly believe in the gospel, the world will see it in us. That's what changes people. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands came to hear Jesus Christ under threat and penalty of arrest. It's happening today in China. It's happening today in Russia. It's happening today in Indonesia. It's happening today throughout the Middle East. It's happening in America. All over America today, people are coming to Christ because someone is sharing the gospel. How shall they know? The Bible tells us in John 3, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Listen to this one, verse 17. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but rather that the world through Him might be saved. God has not sent me. He's not sent you. God has not sent our church into the world to condemn the world, but rather to save the world. today if you're listening come to Christ the time is now get right with God open up your heart he is the answer hasn't he shown us that there's a problem look past the problem to the promise for only Jesus can save what would it profit any one of us if we gained the whole world and lost our soul What would you give in exchange for eternity? Nothing that Jesus tells us leaves us without hope. The door is open. The time is now. The cup is full. You can be saved today. Saved from your eternal sin. Saved from your temporal sin or saved from that mental, emotional, spiritual struggle that makes our souls so angry. Please let it motivate you to shine the light. Harness yourselves. Challenge yourselves. Don't deny the truth and don't back up. Go forward with the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us for another relevant word from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.